0: Hey, football fans, DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SOS for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SOS, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. What's up, sons and daughters? It is Sam Jesse with the crew from the Locks of Saturday. Brett, Mike, Robert, and Chris. Guys, it is almost October. Season is flying by. How are we feeling?
1: I had a brutal, brutal weekend at the window. So
0: I had the worst weekend maybe of the last two years at the window.
2: Yeah, it was horrible. Couldn't have been worse. I went four four and three. I didn't really like a lot of stuff, but... Duke pulled through for me. I apologize for people that were expecting me to go the full length for the Duke-Kansas game, but I think I did that justice.
0: Brett, I was refreshing my Twitter app as much as I could in Champs Sports Bar in Blacksburg, trying to get the live updates because every screen was showing Michigan Rutgers and Clemson NC State, and I just wanted to know what was happening in the Kansas-Duke game.
2: I will say that... Live tweeting a football game and live tweeting, especially a Kansas dude game, is very difficult.
0: (laughs) Yep, it's tough. I've done it for baseball. Live tweeting is harder than it sounds. Harder than it sounds. Well, we have so far in college football the best slate of any games this week. We are going to cover six games this week. We only covered four last week because Tech played an FCS opponent. We will cover six this week to get us back on schedule. And speaking of Virginia Tech, We're not speaking of Virginia Tech. There will be no Virginia Tech talk on this podcast tonight. I think we all need it. I think we all need to take a break from the boys in Orange and Maroon for a little bit. And I think that we need to talk about some of the boys down south in the SEC because SEC football is up and running. Irby will have the articles up on sunsaturday.com. That'll have our scoreboard. That'll have our current picks for the week, all of that. And thank you again for all the interactions on Twitter. Keep hitting us up at Locks of Saturday. Uh, any suggestions, any games that you have, any discourse? We're going to try to do some different things, uh, maybe towards the end of this week, maybe the beginning of next week with some Twitter spaces, some things like that. So please stay tuned to the Twitter feed. Any other housekeeping stuff, guys? Anything else?
2: I can think of as
0: long as Let's get into it, guys. Well, once again, all of these lines are from DraftKings Sportsbook. Use our code SOS, and you can get a great bonus package with that. Let's just get going. This is the game day game, I believe, in Athens, Georgia. Arkansas traveling to Georgia. Arkansas is plus 18 and a half going to Athens. This game will be on ESPN. It is a noon kickoff, which is a little bit strange for the game day game, but it is a noon kickoff on ESPN. The over-under for this game is 49. Fellas, this is a big game early in the season. Is Arkansas for real, for real? Well, We know they're for real as a good team, but are they for real, for real? Mike?
1: Yeah, I'm on Arkansas here. I think the value's there. Um, the way I look at this is that nobody thought Arkansas was going to beat Texas. They beat them by 19. Nobody thought they were going to beat A&M on a neutral site. They beat them by 10 and looked pretty dominant doing it defensively. I think the value here is on Arkansas. I, I look at Georgia and Georgia's, you know, got the best front seven that maybe we've seen in the last five years in college football Their front seven is unbelievable. Um, an NFL front seven. I mean, let's call it what it is. Really, really good defense. Nobody's going to debate that. I need to see more from the offense, right? And I, I think the offense has been, has been good, but you look at the caliber of opponent, you know, they, they beat UAB 56-7, they beat South Carolina 40-13, to and they beat a terrible Vanderbilt team 62 to nothing. So the offense is passing the tests, but I need to see it against prime competition. You know, Georgia's offense has faced one elite defense or really good defense so far this year, because I don't think Arkansas's defense is elite, but I think they're pretty good. They, they faced one really good defense so far. It was Clemson. They won the game 10-3. to So the way I look at this is the values with Arkansas, the, the concern is with K.J. Jefferson turning the ball over in this game, obviously, that, that's the that's concern if you're backing Arkansas. But the way I look at this is Arkansas's running game has been solid. They're finding ways to move the football. K.J. Jefferson's been good enough in the passing game. He's only completing about 59% of his passes, but he's been protecting the football so far this year, which is pretty important and they're finding ways to move the football. And I, I think in this game, they're going to have a hard time moving it against Georgia, but you got to be totally convinced that Georgia's offense is going to score three touchdowns, four or five touchdowns, right. To, to cover this spread. And I just think Arkansas will get in the end zone, if not once, maybe a couple times, and that might be enough. That might be enough to cover. Cause I think Arkansas's defense will keep them in this football game. So I'm on Arkansas here and I'm, I'm doing that with some confidence, even against a, really good Georgia team that's probably making the college football playoff.
3: You know, guys, I was pretty proud of my Arkansas pick last week. Honestly, I was like kind of nervous about it because I was like, is Arkansas really legit? And you know what? They came through for me. Not only did they cover the spread, they won outright. And, you know, beating a team like AM, that's given their fans quite a lot to believe in. Uh, it's given Mike a lot of, a lot to believe in clearly. Uh, he's on the Pittman hype train for sure. Uh, Arkansas is not the eighth best team in the country. They're just not. And there's a lot to like here about what Pittman is doing here. But I, I just don't think that they can waltz into Athens, Georgia, and keep it close. You know, like that just seems like a bit too much to ask for. And granted, 18 and a half points is a pretty, pretty large spread. Um, I just don't see Arkansas covering it here. I don't want to discount this AM win too much because it was a good win against a good team uh, for Arkansas. But Haynes King being out for AM, uh, it, it completely deflated what the Aggies could do on offense. Arkansas was basically uh, daring Calzada to throw the ball, and he just couldn't. Um, so I, I don't necessarily see that being this, the case here uh, with Georgia. I think they have a bit more of a capable quarterback in JT Daniels uh, and not to mention, I think one thing about that Arkansas game that was a bit concerning to me against a and m was, so Arkansas went up seventeen to nothing a minute into the second quarter. So they came out firing and they only scored three points the rest of the way. So that's almost three quarters with only three points against a and um, I, I, I find that concerning. Like I don't know if their offense is really that that great. And especially if you consider that Georgia has, I think we would all agree that Georgia has the best defense in the country, at least top three. Um, Georgia's defense is insane. They're the number one rated defense on pro football focus right now. Um, I Yeah, I don't really see Arkansas's offense being able to do much here. And Arkansas's defense, on the other hand, uh, has been good at times. They did a great job of limiting what Texas could do. And again, uh, they shut down A&M's offense. Um, but their defensive rating from pro football focus is still only 79th. And so I just don't really see... I can't see Arkansas scoring more than 10 points here. I just can't because of how great Georgia's defense is. And then I see Georgia scoring you know, three, maybe four touchdowns. Probably four touchdowns. Um And I think that if you just look at the eye test here of what we've seen in football so far, Georgia, they look like the best team in the country. And as great as this Cinderella story is for Arkansas and and Pittman, um, I just don't see it here. I see Georgia winning by like a 31-10 to uh, score. And Sam, get that sound effect ready. First time of the night, this is a lock.
0: I love it. I love it. I I mean, this is... This, I think we can all kind of say that plus 18 and a half was a bit higher of a spread than we kind of thought about in in talking about it. I kind of expected something around the, you know, maybe 10, 10 and a half line. If you, if you really liked Georgia, 18 and a half is a huge, huge number for an in-conference game. It did make me think twice for
3: a little bit. I, you know, I, I was like, oh, I'm going to pick Georgia no matter what the spread is. And then it was 18 and a half. And I was like, Ooh, okay, maybe not, uh, but the more I thought about it, the more I dove into the numbers. I just don't see Arkansas doing anything productive.
2: Yeah, Irvi, I'm going to have to disagree with you here on this one. I'm going to have to go follow Mike's suit here. I'm going to have to go with Arkansas, plus 18 and a half here. This year in college football, guys. it's I don't really know. Georgia and Alabama, obviously, I think are the best teams in the country. They're the most consistent. It's been pretty clear from the get-go. Um, but I'm with Mike here. I think Georgia's offense is not hasn't shown me much. I mean, Clemson's defense has been great. I mean, they're a good defense. I wouldn't say they're elite this year, but I mean, they only put up 10 on Clemson's defense. NC state put up plenty of points on Clemson to be able to compete. George, I mean, they held Georgia tech obviously to six points, but they still struggled towards the end of the game. They just couldn't get in the end zone. So my thing here is I think Arkansas is good enough to cover 18 and a half points. Um, this is a bit of a Cinderella story. Do I think they really are top 10 team in the country? No, I don't but they faced a really good defense last week at Texas A&M, probably the third best defense in the SEC behind Georgia and Alabama. Um, and they were able to put up points there and went out right. So I think Arkansas is going to keep riding this wave. And as college football has shown us this year, momentum has been everything um, for teams this year as consistency was an issue last year. So if your team has momentum and consistency this year, I think it's um, a good way to look at some games, especially this. Going into Athens is going to be tough. Uh, I think this is probably the biggest SEC game of the year so far. And uh maybe Fort Alabama was close, but I think Brazil back's gonna get it done. 18 and a half. Uh yeah. And I think the this it's gonna be interesting with the total points, because I think if the total is under, I think Arkansas covers, but if the total goes over, I think they there's a better chance they might not.
4: Yeah, I'm going to continue the uh, the train here. Uh, I'm on Arkansas plus 18 and a half. And I'm surprised no one's kind of brought it up, kind of alluded to it. But why was this line set at 18 and a half? You have to look at it and say, why are they trying to get action on this line? So I have to believe that this was just to get essentially people to start betting on arkansas to be able to pull the line down to be able to get action on georgia so they wanted to get equal bets on here so if they started it too low pretty much nobody would ever approach arkansas in this game so i kind of look at vegas and i'm like what are you trying to do to me here especially since the over under was at 49 with almost a 20 point spread screams weird to me. So I have to go with the value of 18 and a half before I even think about what I'm doing here.
0: Yeah. And Chris, that's a great point. Um, That's a great point real quick, just so the people know we're recording this on Tuesday night, the 28th. So there's a lot of time for the line to move. Yes. And that was
4: my second point. My bet is this line comes down before game time. Um, And that's just the nature of it. Georgia, more public team. Arkansas, feel-good store, but they're not necessarily a nationally public brand as much as uh, UGA is. So I do have to believe that this line will come down as the public starts to get more and more and more behind. Excuse me, the bigger bettors betting on Arkansas, pulling the line down, and then the public joins in. Um, So going more into the details of the game, key to the game here, clash of two styles, the more established type things. Historically, Arkansas has been a traditionally really good rushing program It's kind of been their bread and butter over time. Sam Pittman offensive line coach coming in. It's exactly what he wants to do. And he's done that so far. And the fact that he has kind of a duo now with, um, I believe it's KJ Jefferson and Traylon Smith. They at least have some sort of dynamic that's capable of at least rushing the football, um, That eighth-ranked rush offense is going against UGA's seventh-ranked rush defense right now. So that's kind of where this game will play out: is just Arkansas's ability to run and UGA's ability to stop it. And so far, I don't think UGA has really faced this good of a rushing offense attack. And if you look at it, Clemson—we all know Clemson is terrible running the football this year, way off brand. They cannot move the football on the ground. Uh, Then you have UMB, Vandy forget about it. And South Carolina, somewhat of a rushing program, they were down by almost three scores before they even got a chance to breathe in the second quarter. So I just think that they never even really had a chance to try rushing the football. So this will be the first legitimate rushing game, excuse me, rushing attack that UGA's defense will have to face. Um, And then the last part of that for me is just the trend of UGA, not necessarily showing up in big ranked games, especially SEC type games. How many times have we been there where, Kirby Smart and his visor on looking at the scoreboard in the fourth quarter and they were heavily favored going into a home game and it was a big letdown game for them and I feel like that has played out over and over and over again and the numbers back it up conference games uh 27 and 20 against the spread only a 12.6 margin of victory that's just the SEC uh, you drill in deeper ranked opponents which for the most part a lot of their ranked opponents are in the SEC 18 and 11 against the spread 1.9 average point margin of victory. So very close games in 1811. It's not necessarily a dominant, sh- uh, excuse me, against the spread percentage as well. So I do have to believe that that factor in a lot of losses to pull that number down to 1.9. Um, so for me, the last part of this, it's just hard to go against Sam Pittman. He's a likable guy. He's kind of like the coach O of Arkansas. He's an offensive line guy, and Arkansas is just a great story. Um, So for me, just looking at the numbers with Georgia's inability to show up in big games, whether it's on the road or at home, just overall against ranked opponents in the SEC. And just the line, I'm going to take the value here, 18 and a half, I can on Tuesday night and just see where the line falls out at the beginning of the week. So go Hogs.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you, Chris. Woo pig suey. And this is kind of a dream season for Arkansas so far. Not only are they a 4-0 team, they're 4-0 against the spread, which means you know they are outplaying the best, most accurate expectations of what they should be playing at. And I like what you did kind of going back with Georgia against the spread in these SEC games. I think that's really important when you look at such dominant programs like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson. Looking at them against the spread, they're not always as dominant as you would think they are. And, you know, Georgia gets a lot of games, uh, even since, you know, Kirby smart was there in, I believe 2016, but if you go back to 2017, they have played, you know, t- uh, 29 games as a two touchdown or more favorite, uh, in those games where they're a 14 point or more favorite, they are 14 and 15 against the spread. So not a very convincing against the spread margin when they do have these, these massive, massive favorite lines on their side. I just think 18 and a half is too much. I think this has like game of the week written all over it. Arkansas is a good hard-nosed team. They're not going to get blown out. I just don't see it. Uh, I, one thing that I think is really interesting about Arkansas is they are, although they are a more running hard-nosed defensive team, they have been able to score this season pretty well. And actually something that I'll bring in kind of throughout the night tonight is a stack called expected points added, which basically is exactly what it means that so when you run a play either if you're on offense or defense, how many points are you adding to your total or taking away from the other team's total that an average team would not? So you're basically ranking that against an average. Arkansas is number 15 in the country in expected points added per play margin. So that's taking away you know offense, the difference between offensive EPA and defensive EPA. The only issue with that is the team that they're playing Georgia is number one, and these are opponent adjusted as well. So when, when you're looking at this game, it is really, really hard to go against an 18 and a half point spread. But it's also really statistically so far this season, believable to think that Georgia could blow them out. I think you're going to see a bit of regression here with Georgia. They always have that game in the SEC where they don't quite play up to snuff. A lot of times it's at home. It's a noon kickoff. I think that plays into Arkansas's hands very well. I think this is going to be at least a single digit one to two score game. I like Arkansas to cover here. Any final thoughts before we move on to another huge, huge game in the SEC?
3: So you're telling me that I am the only person picking Georgia and I also locked it in? Like, am I crazy or am I a genius?
2: Time will you're doing pretty
0: well in the season. I believe you're 10 and 9 against the spread on the season on this show. Yeah, you're catching up last week.
2: Last week went one and four. Really hurt my uh heater that I was on. And maybe I'm just a to genius.
1: We had to disagree at some point. You know, we agreed on every pick last week,
3: so I had to disagree with you at some point. Yeah, Mike's been riding my coattails for way too long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my record doesn't indicate that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you would think he'd be doing better, but uh, hey, long season, a lot of games left to play, and especially with six this week, six really you know tough games to pick. You know Anything could happen. All right, let's move to the other game in the SEC. In my opinion, the biggest game of the weekend, Ole Miss. The Rebels are plus 14 and a half underdogs. Going into the Death Star, into Bryant Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the nicest truck stop you're ever going to see. 14 and a half for this game. It is the CBS game of the week. Cue the theme music at 3:30 p.m. The over/under for this game is 77 and a half. Mike, I take think the over. I, take you, the over, Mike. If you and I played NCAA 14. Would you set the over-under for that competition at 77 and a half?
1: (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I would. 77 and a half is preposterous. Like, it is a preposterous total, and I still might take the over. Um, I, I have no idea what to do with this, to be quite honest. like The way I look at this, Ole Miss... Like their defense has improved from last year, but that's not really saying a whole lot, is it? I mean, their defense was not very good a year ago. So for me to come out and say blatantly, their defense is better, like of course it is. It couldn't it couldn't have been much worse. I mean, they were they had to score forty and fifty points to beat people. I and I love Ole Miss's offense. Matt Corral is is certainly a Heisman contender, and Ole Miss has been great all year. But I just. I I think the I think the safe pick, to be honest, is to roll with Ole Miss. Just expect them to keep up offensively. But Alabama's at home. I think they do come up with a few stops defensively, and I think Alabama's offense scores enough uh, to win this game by by at least two scores. And then you're flirting with that number. I, I really don't have a whole lot of confidence in this, to be quite honest with you. I will not be betting the spread if it's still at 14 and a half, you know, going into the game. Um, I'm not touching this right now. For the sake of the podcast, I'll take Alabama because they're at home at Bryant Denny. But I do think that Ole Miss certainly has a chance to cover this. I, I don't see them winning the game outright because I'm not sure their defense can consistently get stops for four quarters. It's Alabama's offense. It's been pretty good. Um but, I, again, I, I look at that Alabama-Florida game, though, and, I, and I'm like, you know what? Alabama couldn't stop the run. <laughs> so, is the defense going to get enough stops against Ole misses high-powered offense? I don't, I don't know what the answer to that is, but I'm just going to roll with Alabama because they're at home for the sake of the podcast. But I, I can't touch the spread at 14 and a half, to be quite honest with you guys.
3: So, guys, is this, is this a year? Lane Kiffin finally does it on behalf of all members of the Saban coaching tree finally taking out to continue the star Wars analogy, Darth Vader and Nick Saban. Or is he, or is he Palpatine?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Is he, he's gotta be Palpatine because then I feel yes. like his understudies are the Darth are the Sith Lords. Yeah. but Okay. I feel like
2: so, okay. Them off just to beat them. I guess that was Palpatine's kind of manager too. So
3: in that case, is Kiffin Darth Vader? And is he going to pick up Palpatine, chuck him off a large balcony? It works for me. I like it. Okay, I like the analogy's it. good. I don't know if it'll it will actually happen. It makes sense to me. <laughs> I'll put but me I'll tell that. you what also makes sense. Ole Miss' offense. Uh, this may very well be the best offense in the country. I said earlier, Georgia has the best defense. Ole Miss really might have the best offense. Right now, they are first Number one in the FBS in both yards per game and points per game. Uh, they are on an absolute tear right now. And last year, in that game last year, they found quite a bit of success against Alabama's defense. And honestly, this was one of the toughest games that Alabama played all year. As spectacular a year as Bama had, running the table, winning the national title, all that, uh, one of their toughest opponents was Ole Miss. Um, and an interesting stat about that game, um, is so last year, Ole Miss, they completed two passes for 11 yards on Bama's starting cornerbacks. So again, Bama's starting cornerbacks only gave up two catches for 11 yards. Regardless, they scored 48 points. And Matt Corral threw for 365 yards and two touchdowns with no interceptions. So even though these corners were absolutely locking it down, it didn't matter. Matt Corral still found a way, and Lane Kiffin found a way to find success um, in other uh, aspects. I think what Kiffin does really well, and what his uh, offensive staff does really well in their scheming, is um, they know how to play to a defense's weaknesses especially Alabama's considering Kiffin spent so much time there. Um, This is Lane Kiffin's Super Bowl, and I think he's going to have just a really great game plan lined up where he's going to try to find those weaknesses that Bama has, and he's going to exploit them. Um, Last year, he schemed an offense that was almost entirely attacking Bama's safeties and their linebackers and trying to switch uh get faster receivers onto those guys who just could not cover them um it's almost like in the nba when uh a team will try to take a big man and have him switch onto a smaller guard that can get by him you know like like what happens to rudy gobert every time the jazz play a, pl- a playoff game is he just gets switched onto a point guard and gets exposed right And so Kiffin is just very good at finding a way to do that sort of thing. He finds the worst points of the defense and he schemes up the perfect plan to attack it. Not to mention one of those two corners that I mentioned earlier was Patrick Sertan and he is not there anymore. Um, So Bama's corners uh, will take a step back missing, you know, a high end first round talent in Sertan. Um, So I think Corral is going to have a field day here um i think he's going to put up some crazy numbers and Bryce Young on the on the other side for Bama he may put up crazier numbers i don't really know i mean bama might get the win here uh this is just going to be a crazy knockdown drag out shootout kind of game i still like the over here and even if bama wins this game i think that it's going to come down to the wire and i think the rebels cover here roll rebels
0: yeah
2: Again, I'm in line with Mike here. This line just sucks. I mean, I'm just going to say I, I don't really know what to do, um, but I will make a proposition here that I think might help some of our listeners out there. A really good thing to do is you might want to tease this line towards Alabama and then tease the Arkansas line towards Arkansas into a two-game parlay to try to help increase your odds, maybe give a couple points to Arkansas to almost get it to three scores and then tease it to Alabama to like 10 points to get it, you know, to get them to cover, maybe not quite that much, but like to maybe 12 points, you know, make sure they cover two scores. Um, If you do something like that, you know, if, if the lines kind of stay the same, I think you can actually still get value out of both these picks, picking Alabama at home and then picking Arkansas while they're on them, the run that they are on. Um, Stepping back, I think we can go to – I think I'm just going to go – it's hard to get bet against Nick Saban, even though he burned me in the Florida game, looked like a lock after the first half, but for some reason – Dan Mullen decided to actually make adjustments and coach a, a great game, honestly. And Emory Jones decided to pick it back up. Um, there are definitely some concerns. If Emory Jones can throw and run the football against Alabama, what can Matt Corral do in that offense? That definitely draws some concerns. But I'm again, as our, our friend Ed says, I'm not in the business of betting against Nick Saban. Um, just for the sake of the podcast, I'm going to go with Alabama. Uh, 14 and a half scares me. I will be looking at teasing this line. Um, with a parlay, with honestly the Arkansas line, at uh, with a couple points each way. So,
0: everyone so far is Alabama money line, though, correct? Want what i hearing,
2: all right, Chris, yes, but I wouldn't be 100%
0: <laughs>
3: confident about it. I'd, I'd maybe like 20% chance, I'll miss hits yeah. here. All
4: right, first point here is, and we'll have to go back to the preseason predictions thing in terms of Heisman candidates. This game will say a lot and it will dictate a lot of the narrative, but. My pick of Matt Corral is looking pretty good, starting the horse out of the gates here. So, like I said, just him in this offense with Lane Kiffin and how he designs and schemes up plays and the performances that he's given a stage to just basically put up ridiculous numbers week to week in the SEC. If it continues to build and he does what he did last year, you know, that's you're going to see his plus odds go further and further and further down. So if you can find good odds for Matt Corral still, and I believe they're still out there, grab them while you can because they were almost plus 2000 to start the season and they are going down as you, as we speak. So um, I love this game, battle of two top five offenses. Number one being Ole Miss, I think number four right now being Alabama, um, and for me, the only thing I could really do in this game, because if you look at the trends, and I did Alabama has dominated the SEC. There's no way to go around that point. And they have done it pretty well, especially against ranked opponents in the SEC, which is the two VIGs I looked at specifically for this matchup. SEC ranked opponents, it's kind of around that 14-point line in terms of them margin of victory. Uh, average margin victory excuse me and I took that in the Florida game and it came back to bite me so I I, I I, went and looked at it just a little bit further I'm just trying to think of why why that was um, so put that on the shelf real quick going back to Matt Corral and going back to last year um, he was able to take a Lane Kiffin offense in year one during COVID protocols And he put up 48 points, highest point total against Alabama last season. Second highest total, Dan Mullen with Kyle Trask and, of course, Pitts. They put up 46, the two highest point totals in the season against Alabama last year. The next available point total against Alabama was 24. It was a three-way tie. And those teams were really, really, really poverty programs like Ohio State, Georgia, and Texas A&M. So that to me just spoke that for some reason, Lane Kiffin and Dan Mullen are special offensive-minded coaches and the only two that I trust right now in the SEC to be able to give Nick Saban fits in terms of being able to put up high points on his team in the SEC. So going forward in this game, I just have to trust the fact that a plus 14.5 point line Why not root for Ole Miss, root for points, root for Matt Corral to have a ridiculous uh, um, NCAA 2014 type game against them, you know, scoring back and forth. You know, that's what I'm rooting for in this game. I have to believe that somehow Ole Miss, you know, if you're rooting even for garbage time, even if Alabama is up by three scores, if they score one touchdown as it goes on, plus 14 and a half, there it is. That's the angle it covers. Give me Ole Miss, give me the points. Um, and plus, it's always fun to root against Alabama, especially when you have an offensive-minded coach like Lane Kiffin on the opposite side of the field.
0: It's so scary betting against Nick Saban. It really is scary because at any moment, he can win by 40, at any moment. And the hard thing that you have to do when you're looking at the Alabama games, and they're, they're obviously they're fun to bet on because they're always big games. They're on national TV, it's... It, you end up betting on a lot of alabama spreads and picking the right game there's a narrative out there that oh it's a like a shifty mobile quarterback will give nick saban's defense issues if it's a shifty mobile quarterback and they have a couple guys on defense that can rush the passer and they can and if they have size up front to stop the run that that's kind of the formula to beat a nick saban team well it's Yes and no. Guys, I asked you guys earlier in the week, who are the 10 quarterbacks that have last beaten Nick Saban's Alabama team? I'll give you a hint. There's 10 since 2013, and no one's beaten them twice. I won't have you guys do a guessing game here on the radio because you've already done that. But in 2019, it was Joe Burrow, one of the greatest seasons of all time for a quarterback, and Bo Nix. Who we have talked about on this show is not a very good quarterback at all. Even when he's playing at home, not a very good quarterback. In 2018, you know, Trevor Lawrence, obviously phenomenal, one of the best NFL prospects of all time. In 2017, Alabama lost one game. Who was it to? It was to Jared Stidham and his Auburn Tigers team. In 2016, Deshaun Watson, phenomenal quarterback. In 2015, lost to Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly, who couldn't keep an XFL job. In 2014, Bo Wallace beat Alabama. Bo Wallace. Also, who beat Alabama that year? Cardell Jones, who was like the fifth best quarterback on that Ohio State roster. In 2013, Nick Marshall beat Alabama. Now, yes, that was the kick six game, but Nick freaking Marshall beat Alabama. Trevor Knight beat Alabama that year. Trevor Knight, who's one of the worst Oklahoma quarterbacks since 2000. I Y'all mean, Perry's heartthrob though. I was going to
1: say, you remember Katie Perry shouting him out on game day.
0: Katie Perry does love her some Trevor Knight. That was he did a more little more time. than shout him out. And that was at an old Miss game. That was in the Grove at an old Miss game. It's all coming together. Look, the idea that you need an elite quarterback to beat Alabama is not true. What you need is, is a really good offense and a defense that can somewhat keep the game close. Because if you can make it a grinded out game, Alabama doesn't like those games as much. That's what the Johnny Manziel, Texas A&M teams were able to do to keep it close. And that's what the Ole Miss teams were able to do to win in back-to-back years. Guys, out of all of these quarterbacks, out of all those 10, Corral's easily top five of those. In terms of just raw talent and ability, he's there. He's better than these guys, and this Ole Miss team is good enough. I love Ole Miss plus 14 and a half. It is my lock of the week. I am locking in Ole Miss plus 14 and a half at Alabama. And I'm going to salt bay a little bit. I'm going to sprinkle plus 475 money line. You have your bonus money from our code. You have your bonus money. It's free money. You need to you need to have rollo- you need to have a good rollover to create turn into cash plus 475 money line Ole Miss over Alabama
4: how many hottie totties have you had goodness when you were me.
2: researching that line I think this is just is this the biggest upset we've picked on uh, locks this year it's got to be right plus 475
0: I would just like to point out that I was I was right about NC state over Clemson before Clemson sucked before Clemson sucked, before Clemson sucked. Last year, I was right about Florida State over UNC.
2: Okay. So you go three for three. Wow. I'm going to chime back in here real quick. Um, yeah, you have
0: a great point. Bring it so up.
2: So when I was talking about teasing these games, I went real quick on my phone and went on DraftKings and teased it. So if you tease Arkansas at plus 21 and Bama minus 10.5, you still get plus you get plus 164 odds in a parlay. And honestly, that's something I'm probably thinking about seriously taking. Um, I think Arkansas can cover 21. And I think Bama can cover 10 and a half. I mean, I think you can take Arkansas 21 and a half and you'll still get plus odds. So that's something to think about if you're like me and Mike and you have no freaking clue what to do on either of these lines. Um, teasing lines and putting them in a parlay together is always a good way to get some value.
4: Yep. I don't hate it. If you're going to pick two coaches who are thorn in the side to Sabin going forward, Pick two offensive-minded guys that remind me of how Gus Malzahn, which you just named the list there. I think four of those were Gus Malzahn-led Auburn quarterbacks. You know, if you're going to pick one game a season to, to throw a huge money line big down on, this is one of the games. Three, excuse me, I think three of the quarterbacks. I think he was 2013 to 2020 for Gus Malzahn there. But um, it that's a huge value, and this would be the week to do it.
0: I, I feel great about it. I feel great about it. All right, let's move on before I change my mind. Maybe one of the biggest toss-up games in terms of winner or loser that we have picked on the show so far this year. Baylor, undefeated Baylor, is plus three and a half at undefeated Oklahoma State. This game is on ESPN2 at seven o'clock. Over under is 49 and a half. Guys, this is a tough, tough game to pick. Neither of these teams have really been nationally prominent so far this year. So not a lot known about them, but it is a top 25 mashup.
1: I think I'm on Baylor. Um, Again, like this is another one of those toss up games. Three and a half points is nothing. I'm on Baylor here on the road. Here's why. Like I look at Oklahoma state and I have not been very impressed through the first month. I I mean, I think their best win is certainly Kansas State last Saturday. Uh, That that was a pretty solid win. No coincidence is Spencer Sanders played his best game of the year in that game. But, you know, they they beat Missouri State by a touchdown. They beat Tulsa by five. They should have lost the Boise game on on the scoop and score that got ruled dead and they missed a field goal. Like they, they should have. They should have lost that game on the road at Boise. Um, the, the Kansas state game w- was certainly their best game of the year. And, and they put it all together and Spencer Sanders was good. Uh, but do you trust Spencer Sanders to be good again? <laughs> this is the question. And I, I don't now it's not like Baylor has been all that convincing either. But if I look at this purely from a quarterback standpoint, and I'm going to, cause it's a three and a half point line. I'm not sure either one of these teams are, are particularly good. Jerry Bohan has been all right, right? 823 yards passing, 73% completion percentage, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. He takes care of the football. If he can continue that on the road at Oklahoma State, I think Baylor has a chance to win this football game. I just don't, when I watch Spencer Sanders play, I just don't really get the feeling that Oklahoma State can consistently put an offense together Over the course of a 12 game season to be competitive in the Big 12. And maybe that's not giving enough credit to the rest of the team, but I just, they're missing something without Chuba Hubbard, obviously, which I mean, what a statement that is, right? But they just don't, they don't feel the same on offense. I feel like it's a more Spencer Sanders heavy system this year. And I don't think that's the best version of Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State is at their best when they're running the football well. And I just don't trust him to make the right decisions a hundred percent of the time, or even like 90% of the time in, in a, in a close game at home. You know, I, I think the the safe pick again is just roll with Oklahoma state and a toss up because they're at home. But I just think Baylor's the better team. And I'm just going to go with Baylor in an upset three and a half point dog. I like the bears here.
3: Yeah. So this seems like a game to me that I, I don't even think Vegas knows what to do with, uh, I mean, usually kind of, if you're Vegas, you always kind of throw a something around a field goal spread at the home team uh, if it's kind of a toss-up. Um, and they pretty much did that, give or take half a point. Uh, but I really do think that they are missing the mark here. Um, I'm going to agree with Mike here. I like Baylor here, and I think this, is, this line is a steal for Baylor. Um, I don't buy Oklahoma State at all. Um, and I think it really comes down to and Mike really hammered this point home, and I, I'm I'm going to second that, is that Spencer Sanders just is not... Um, he ain't it. And, you know, he's been inconsistent through his whole career. Um, I mean, again, last week, he had a great... One of the best games of his career, and that's a pretty huge win that they got against Kansas State, who at the time was ranked. But, I mean, if you look back at you know Spencer Sanders game log i mean that's sort of a that's almost an anomaly at this point uh, last week was um and again how often do we see this you know where oklahoma state they start off undefeated they don't really play anybody they start off undefeated and then they sputter because they're really not that good they never really have been that good you know i, I i'm not a believer in what mike gundy can do he's been there a long time and Uh, putting your money on Oklahoma state to go eight and four has been a pretty safe bet during that time. I just don't see Oklahoma state, um, as a legit contender in the big 12. Whereas Baylor, they had a very, uh, ugly first game to start the year, uh, only beating Texas state by nine. But from that point on, they've looked pretty solid and that win they had over last week over Iowa state, that is a huge win. I mean, I think people are going to discount that because Iowa State had such high hopes for what they could be, and now they've sputtered out of the top 25, but Iowa State is probably still the second most talented team in the Big 12. Um, and Baylor got that huge win at home. Um, and so I, I like Baylor to cover here, and I like them to win outright just because I think that the better football team and three and a half point, giving Baylor three and a half points here, that just seems like a steal to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is, these are two teams I really don't know anything about. I don't watch Big, Ten, Big 12 football at all, and for good reason. It, it's never on TV. It's never really that exciting. Um, Ten years ago, super exciting when teams would put up 70 points, but they don't do that anymore. So for me, it's kind of hard. Um, I think I, I'm going to go with Baylor here. Um, I think they are just like me and Mike are just in line, I guess, tonight. I guess I took Irby's spot. Um I think they're just a better football team. Oklahoma State, yeah, like Mike said, they're marquee when those are at Kansas State. Um, I like, yeah, not much to say. I like Baylor here just based on the short stats that I've seen.
4: All right, this is making me a little bit nervous because I'm also on Baylor here, plus three and a half. Uh, a little bit different view on it, but still somewhat the same outcome. Um, you, lo- you look at new head coach Dave Aranda and what he's been able to do based off of last season going into this season and you know he's a competent defensive-minded head coach coming in has previous experience at wisconsin and lsu so you know he's he's able to finally have a full healthy offseason come in and you're starting to see the results four 0 um it's it's giving me similar vibes to sam Pittman in terms of what he's been able to do with kind of just building back up that program's culture but then you look at baylor and it's like matt rule just left after the 2019 season and he had previously been building that program back up from scratch so it's not like he was left with a bare cupboard so i do have to believe that the infrastructure at baylor is probably at this point a little bit stronger than what's available at oklahoma state so you're looking at a tight line like this i have to believe that uh, just a better built program with a competent head coach especially a defensive-minded head coach in a road game where they are a three and a half point underdog It just seems like that's the better value play here. I don't have a lot of trends, obviously, on Baylor, just because, you know, Iran has only been around since the beginning of 2020. And then I look back at OK State, and they seem to be a different program in the past to where they kind of are now, where they kind of completely switched from an offensive mentality to the last few years, kind of switching to more of a defensive mentality. So I, I really don't have a confidence in any of the trends historically for Oklahoma state other than they just seem like a stale program and they kind of deliver the same type of product year over year where, um, they'll end up kind of playing close in big game matchups. Um, but they never seem to be able to win big, um, excuse me, their big 12 matchups, but never see me seem to play well in those defining big 12 ranked opponent type matchups. Um, so I do believe this will be a defensive, minded football game, given the recent transfer, Oklahoma State and how the defensive was formed and what Baylor's defensive, excuse me, defensive minded approach under new head coach Dave Miranda is. And I just think with how Matt Rule built it up and Dave Miranda taking over, I think they're the better football team. I think they have the better talent. Um, so for me, I'm looking at this line. I see three and a half, you know, don't take a road dog sometimes, especially in a line list, you think they can win. I'm um, looking at that money line, of plus 155. I'm not going to lock this in because I don't feel confident, but I do, I do feel confident in the spread. I feel like Baylor keeps this really close. This looks like a field goal type Big 12 game, defensive, which seems really weird to say, uh, but just give me the points, give me the value, uh, and give me the Bears.
0: Well, I guess I'll zag on everybody. I'm going to go Oklahoma State at home, and there are. This is one of those games where. There are some stats that point to Baylor being the better team, but then there's a lot of the emotional and you know the, the brain says Baylor, but for me, the heart says Oklahoma State. Here's what the brain is telling me. Baylor is the number 14 in the country and earns um, expected points added by rushing. So every time that they rush, they have the number four most expected points added in the country oklahoma state is number 52 in the country in epa per rush on defense so that is a strength of out strength of baylor and a relative weakness for the oklahoma state defense i think baylor can lean on the issue with that for baylor is they have had 166 rush attempts to only 93 passing attempts they're running the ball 64 percent of the time to put that in perspective for everyone Virginia tech is only running the ball 59 and percent of the time. So think about a team that runs way more than even Virginia tech runs. And a lot of that, I mean, they've played like what Texas state and Kansas, and there were both blowouts and they were just running guys. I think, I think that four and from Baylor is a much softer four and than what we're seeing from Oklahoma state who did beat an above average Kansas state team and did go on the road and beat Boise state. albeit with much help from the refs, but they did beat Boise State on the road. Baylor's just coming off an emotional home win against a better team in a game that they quite frankly got outplayed. Iowa State outgained them 479 to 282. Iowa State had 27 first downs. Baylor only had 15. Iowa State had the ball for over 11 minutes more than Baylor. It was just one of those fluke things, turnovers at the right time, penalties at the right time, and Baylor was able to get the win. Classic letdown game on the road in conference against a very similar opponent. I have Oklahoma State here, minus three and a half. And guys, I'm going to throw a stat. This is for this show and the other ones. I, obviously, it's a very even game. I like to go at the home team. On this show, in games that we have picked, the home team is twelve and three against the spread in true home games. Twelve and three. I'm going with the home team. Uh, I I don't think Baylor is as good as their four and zero record is saying. They're a bit. They're a bit sloppy. They're averaging sixty nine penalty yards a game, <laughs> and they're not playing good teams doing it. I think that hurts them. I think the turnovers hurt them. I think the inability to throw the ball hurts them. I like. Oklahoma State here to win at home at night in Stillwater.
3: Uh, this is a quick aside, I and and what you were saying made me think of this. But looking at Iowa State real quick, they've lost two games. They're out of the top 25. You talk about what-ifs in football In their two losses. They have outgained their opponents by a combined 818 to 455 yards. I just want to throw that out there.
0: That's very unfortunate. That's also why we don't use things like total yards and yards per play and average yards passing to determine how good a team is anymore. Yeah, but that sucks. That sucks because they, at least in the Baylor game, they were the better team. Well, guys, before we get into any more college football action, there has been some awesome NFL action, especially in primetime games so far this season. We're moving into week five of college football, but it's only week four of NFL football. And DraftKings is making sure that you have the best deals possible. DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1, just $1, on any football game. Can't miss this offer. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week one or any game this week to receive $150 in free bets. Instantly. Hey, are you in a state though, that sports betting, not legal, don't have a sports book. That's okay. DraftKings has you covered. DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings constantly has free shots at millions of dollars for all new customers. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook now. Download the DraftKings
3: Sportsbook app now and use promo code code SOS to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code SOS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler or in Indiana, 1 800
0: 9 with it. All right, guys, let's move on to the Super Bowl of the week. The biggest game. Shout out to Chris Gibbons at CB Gibbons on Twitter for suggesting this game. It would be one of the better high school football games in the state of Virginia this weekend. Connecticut is plus 14 and a half at Vanderbilt. This game will be televised in primetime on ESPNU at 730. The over-under for this game is 51 and a half. Mike, take it away. Let's take a shower after doing this.
1: Um, I'm on Vandy. I feel disgusting picking this game. So thanks to, uh, was it Chris Gibbons? Is that his name?
0: It was our boy. Chris, Chris. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Chris.
1: Thank you, Chris. You have ruined my Tuesday night. Um, I am, I'm picking Vandy. Uh, I cannot in my right mind, pick UConn to, I, and again, I mean, the, the question is, is Vanderbilt two touchdowns better than anybody? Probably not, but maybe against UConn. So give, give me Vandy. They at least put up a fight kind of against Stanford. And I think Stanford happens to be a pretty decent PAC 12 team this year. So they put up a fight there. They beat Colorado State. That's more than we've seen out of the UConn team so far. So I'm going to roll with Andy at home when that win that game by multiple scores. But Vanderbilt's terrible, but they're not UConn. They're SEC players on Vanderbilt. All right. They might not be very good, but there are some SEC players on Vanderbilt.
0: They have the patch on the jersey. It counts. Yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, come on. Come on. Vanderbilt.
0: That's worth a touchdown
1: more,
3: right? at least. I, I would just like to uh, start this with a public service announcement. If you or a loved one find yourself watching this football game at 730 on a Saturday night and you are not a fan of either team, to quote Michael Jordan, stop it. Get some help.
1: And not because <laughs> you lost a bet on this podcast like Brett did. Like If you're seriously watching this, get some help. Yes.
3: If you are some sicko out there, and you enjoy watching this, please never speak to me. I I can't. This is just awful. I was looking at the pro football focus grades for these teams. Offense. UConn. 129th. Vanderbilt. 124 out of 130.
1: That's the stuff.
3: Defense. UConn. 104, not as bad. Vanderbilt, 119. These may very well be two of the five worst teams in college football right now. Yet somehow one of them has a 14 and a half point spread. I get it. They're in the SEC. Vanderbilt, whatever. But I'm on UConn here. I'm doing it. No, no, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. The UConn Huskies, they have not won a football (laughs) game since October 26th, 2019. Last week, they lost to Wyoming by two points. They have tasted what it's like to almost win a game. This is it, y'all. This is it. UConn is winning the game. Give me that plus 450 money line. Mike is looking at me like I'm insane. And maybe I am. I can't stop laughing. UConn. Go Huskies. Glad we
1: chose to agree last week and not this week. Oh, my God.
2: I'm not sure how I follow that. Um, Wow. Well, just... I'm going to lead off saying Kansas Duke last week was not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. That was actually an entertaining game, honestly. Um, It was a shootout. But uh, this game is not going to be a shootout. The one thing I am going to hammer on this game is the under. Uh, At 51 and a half, like, what are we thinking? I don't know. Yeah, hammer the under. We'll start there. Uh, Betting UConn first game of the year against Fresno was – by far my worst bet. I think I've ever done.
0: Let's
2: um, no, let's talk this out.
0: Let's yeah,
2: talk that, this out. That was by far my worst bet. I think I've ever made. Uh, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to admit that. That was pretty bad. Um, and I, I don't know if I can get myself to bet them again after that. Just because it, UConn, Vanderbilt does have SEC players. Um, UConn is two and three against the spread, whereas Andy is one and three against the spread. So it's, it's, it's hard, but I don't think I'm with Irby, man. I don't think Vandy is two, is two touchdowns better than You God. I'm not going as far to say money line. I'm not, I, I can't do that. I'm not doing it, but for the love of God, please let the Huskies win. And if they don't, I'll say it here. I will buy a Huskies jersey. I will wear it in public. If they if they do cover, I will buy a Huskies jersey and wear it in public. All
4: right, I, I gotta start on that one right there because when you had that you bet Yukon versus Fresno State, you should have let off like a therapy group. Hi, my name is Brett, and I bet Yukon versus Fresno State. And I think that line was plus 28 and a half. So that's how you started off. That's what gets the healing activated. Second point. You need to actually bet the fact that you're going to buy an actual Husky. So let's change it up. Instead of a Husky jersey, you're going to actually no, purchase a Huskies doll. don't so deserve let's, hot let's weather. Raise stakes a little bit.
2: Huskies don't deserve hot weather. I can't do that. I, I, they're cute, but they don't deserve hot weather.
4: You, you did mention the fact that UConn last win, I think, was in 2019. Don't forget that was against UMass. Who we said this is a matchup between two of, of the worst – five teams in power five football, UMass is in that equation. So the only team that they have beaten in the last two and a half years has been one of the other worst teams. So, uh, this line just stinks. This game stinks. This is the degenerate game of the week. If you're betting this, uh, uh, uh judge your life decisions. Um, this is like betting the NFL pro bowl. Like uh, you have problems and if you have to ask, I will definitely be participating. Okay? Because I'm that kind of person. And if you're looking at this, you're looking at the times of which it lines up. Georgia, Alabama is at noon. Mississippi, Alabama is at 3.30. There's nothing going on. We're going to talk about Cincinnati, Notre Dame. That game's on at 2.30. There's nothing going on at 7.30. We just talked about Baylor, Oklahoma State. You don't care about the Big 12. This is where the real action is at. And if you can't look at a Minus 14 and a half Vandy spread for them to cover and join me in betting the Commodores and Mike McDaniel, who's been terrible at betting the spread this year. Join us, yes, cursing the Vanderbilt. Join Company us sometime around 815 on Saturday night and completely dreading the fact that we took this line against two awful teams and a terrible spread. The fact that this is a two over two touchdown spread with a 51 and a half point under over underline should tell you everything you need to know. There's absolutely no feel of this game. Vegas has no idea what this game means. Um, So for me, I'm holding my nose. I'm taking the sec team bet the patch on the Jersey Bet the fact that at least Clark Lee, is a former Notre Dame defensive coordinator. So at least we know he has somewhat been competent in the past because guess what? UConn doesn't have a coach. So I'm going to bet the fact that a coach versus no coach, um, you just have to also look at the line and think, why is this line 14 and a half? I said it earlier for the game, which actually matters between Arkansas and Georgia. Then you look at this game. Why is Vandy a more than two touchdown favorite why does Vegas want you to take UConn? It's because Vegas wants your money. So don't bet UConn. Don't be like Robert Irby. Go ahead, take the points. Or excuse me, lay the points, take Vandy, uh, and just rejudge your life decisions if you're betting
0: this game and, and join us on the couch here at the Locks of Saturday. You know, I, I as well started this season betting UConn. Um, they had a new mascot. Jonathan the 15th. And it was honestly, it was too hot at Fresno state. It was like 110 degrees in the field. You can't expect the Husky to perform well in that kind of conditions. So that's a wash. Then they had the coach turnover new coach last week against a really, a really good Wyoming team. a Well, coached Wyoming team, Wyoming team. That's probably going to win eight games this year. They kept that game close throughout. They probably should have won that game. They were winning to start the fourth quarter. Now, did they get a whole bunch of fortuitous penalties? Yes. Did they get a bunch of weird interceptions? Yes. But they were in that game, and they showed fight in that game that they had not shown for a very, very, very long time. And I will never forget spending my COVID quarantine playing as UConn and absolutely destroying people in NCAA 14 dynasty mode. It was a blessing to win as UConn. This is just such a ridiculous game. (laughs) UConn, so both teams have played two power five opponents in those two games. UConn has been outscored 94 to nothing. In Vanderbilt's two games, they've been outscored 103 to 23. (laughs) It's just not, it's not even remotely close. I have to agree though. I'm not sure Vanderbilt is two touchdowns better than any team. I don't know if there's going to be enough points in this game for either team to cover 14 and a half points. I I mean my dog, which you can probably hear snoring on the couch here, he's part husky. Huskies are cute. Commodores are just old stuffy real white men from the late 1800s. I I have to go Yukon. I have to go Yukon plus 14 and a half. Yukon football, bad to the bone. Go go Huskies. Go Huskies we- 14 and a half. I will be watching this game. You're you're underestimating will be watching the this game. You're underestimating the awesomeness
4: of the Commodore hat. Which is that super long, narrow, kind of turn
3: sideways, and it looks like a big arch kind of hat.
0: Yeah, but you know that dogs hat don't have doorbell on, on a dog.
3: I was gonna say, imagine that hat on a dog. Exactly. Is it anchor exactly.
0: down, anchor up? It's anchor Which down. Well, anchor down. It's kind of a weird thing because anchor down is like when you're trying to like ride out the storm, or you're not doing anything, so your ship can't go anywhere. It's a very odd phrase to build your football program around. Uh, we're, be-
1: we're, we're betting against an SEC team with the coach that they actually want in the building mm-hmm. over interim head coach situation with freaking UConn. That's, That's what we're precisely doing?
0: correct. That's how this season's going. Precisely correct.
1: And I'm not saying you're on the wrong side of it either because I really don't know what the right side of it is, but I cannot in my right mind bet on UConn.
0: In
3: the
1: words
0: hey. of Jonathan the 15th, Woof Woof, woof. Uh, well, here's one thing: you'd be a crazy person like we are, if you were watching this game on ESPNU at 7:30 p.m. You might be crazier if you're watching Michigan at Wisconsin on Fox at 12 pm when you could be watching Arkansas, Georgia. This game is the big Noon Saturday game in the Big Ten. Over under is 43 and a half. You're basically a pick' em game right here. Michigan plus one. That line has stayed pretty steady. Mike, this game has so much national consequence, and the home team that is favored in the game is one and two on the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, the line doesn't make any sense. Uh, Sam, I'm locking up Michigan. Here's, here's why. Um, Graham Mertz is terrible. Like He is awful. And I get he was a five-star quarterback. And, I, you know, they wanted to go with the youth movement when, when Jack Cohn got hurt uh, in fall camp last year. And Mertz had a really awesome first game and whatever it was, October or whenever the Big Ten started last year. And he was really good against Illinois, threw five touchdowns in his first career start. And he has been garbage since then. He's been terrible. He just hasn't been very good. He threw four picks in a huge game against Notre Dame. Last Saturday, um, I look at Michigan and Michigan did not play particularly well against Rutgers. Uh, That was Michigan's worst performance of the season by far. But when I look at when I look at Michigan and I look at what they've done so far this year, the offense just looks a little bit different. They're running the ball better than they have in a number of years. They have more balance to the offense than they've had in a while, and their defense is still competent. I look at Wisconsin and I just, I I think that Graham Mertz is going to lose them more games than he's going to win, right? And that's unfortunate for Wisconsin because he's the highest quarterback recruit in school history. It's really hard for me to bet Wisconsin when I look at how bad Graham Mertz has been. And I think that Paul Chris needs to make a change. I don't think he will because of the quality of recruit that Graham Mertz is. There was, but just looking at the product on the field offensively over the course of the COVID year, which you got to take with a grain of salt, but more importantly, what he's looked like in September, he's just not very good. And in a pick'em game, I'm going to take Michigan, an offense that's been more balanced and a defense that's been good enough against a Wisconsin-led offense that tends to be turnover-prone with their quarterback. I'm on Michigan here. It's a lock. I think they win this game outright. I think they actually win this game by a couple scores. Like I think Michigan turns into much better performance than they did against Rutgers. I think they win this football game pretty easily.
3: Oh man, I just a a noon Big Ten game against two teams that are vastly overrated every year. I mean, I I could not care less about this football game. I'll be honest with you, I am i am not a big 10 football guy i am not a michigan football guy nor am i a wisconsin football guy so you know every part of me just wants to avoid this game like the plague but for the sake of the podcast i will pick it
0: a freeze hits being a little too hard robert
3: <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yes well sorry too soon i suppose um I I think I like Michigan here, especially with this one-point spread. So it's basically a pick I'm going with Mike here. I'm going uh, with Michigan. Mike is correct. Graham Mertz is bad. But also, for Michigan, Cade McNamara, also not good. This is just going to be an ugly football game. And if I happen to catch a glimpse of it on the TV, that'll be a waste of two seconds of my time uh, as I change the channel to the next football game. But I think the difference maker here is Michigan's defense. Their defense has actually been lights out all year. Um, The most points they've given up in a football game is 14 so far. That's pretty impressive. Um, I think that they will do a lot to limit what Mertz can do, uh, which so far has been not a lot. But I think Mertz's problems will continue. And even though McNamara is not the greatest, uh, my kid on this, Michigan's uh, rushing attack is pretty solid. I do think that that win over Rutgers, even though they didn't cover the spread, I think the spread was a bit too large to begin with. And I think Rutgers is a good football team. So Michigan, I don't necessarily think they're a top 15 team. I don't know if they're a top 25 team. But they're better than Wisconsin, and so I'm going to go with Michigan here as well.
2: Keep the train rolling. I hate betting Jim Harbaugh. I I just don't like the guy. I think Michigan's just perennially overrated, as people have said. Um, But Wisconsin stings. They, I thought, like, their loss against Penn State, I mean, a couple of fumble, fumbles, really nasty weather, rain, just typical Big Ten game. I was like, oh, Penn State's pretty legit this year. You know, are they the fourth team in the country? No, but that's for another time. But uh, I thought Wisconsin was uh, still a legit team. And then whatever happened to them last weekend, I was watching the game. I went outside for five minutes, and I came back, and they were down, like, four scores. I'm not really sure what happened, Uh, even though before that, Graham Mertz looked not good. Their running game didn't even look that good. Notre Dame's defense is good, but they weren't like they were last year, and Wisconsin really struggled the whole time against them. Um, And Michigan's defense, I wouldn't say it was probably probably on par with Notre Dame's defense this year. Um, Maybe not quite as good, but enough to keep Graham Mertz down. Um, Michigan's definitely got a better offense. I think Wisconsin's defense has been exposed. they didn't really even get that much pressure this past weekend against the really hurting Notre Dame offensive line. Um I'm locking Michigan in plus one. I think they go get it done. I think Wisconsin's gonna have some serious issues as they go. Well, I guess what is that will be two and three or one and one and four? I can't remember off thought of my head.
0: It would be they would be one and three after this game if they lose, correct. Yeah,
2: they're gonna have, yeah, that's right. So they're gonna have some serious issues uh going forward.
4: I hate that every single person thus far has picked Michigan because I also hate Michigan. I mean, everyone's kind of hit the same narrative tones on the head. This is a snooze fest noon kickoff from between two big 10 teams. If anything has told me about the history of like-minded teams that are kicking off in the big 10 at noon is that this will be decided by some sort of like late field goal that nobody cares about, um, between two. I think I joked about this on my Slack feed Two. uh, uh, sweater wearing weasel mascots that nobody cares about in in the upper Northern peninsula. Um, I I was actually surprised that this is not a big 10 trophy game. I just figured that every single upper Midwest uh, uh, state school had some sort of like ax or frying pan that they battled out for the weasel. For some reason, for some reason, Michigan and Wisconsin, I don't think that they do. Uh, So I'll, I'll go ahead and suggest one here for the audience. Um, I'm going to call this the pelt belt game. Uh, this is a former uh, uh, Upper Peninsula Canadian, French Canadian fur trapper territory during the uh, uh, the colonial days. And my guess is that they dealt in fur pelt trade. So um, we're going to call this the pelt belt game. Um, they're going to get some sort of like fur WWE style belt that they can they can take home at the end of the day. I don't know what kind of animal it will come off of. My guess is they can flip a coin over whether or not it's going to be a Badger or some sort of Wolverine kind of thing. I don't know what's going on up there. But um, going to the actual game, there's nothing between these two programs that differentiates them in terms of their performance against the spread over the history of each coach being in each regime, which is why this game is plus one Michigan on the road versus Wisconsin. So you have to look at the commonalities of who they're looking at in the Big Ten. And you have to accept the fact that this year, I think Rutgers is probably a better football program than Wisconsin. So then I have to look at Michigan's performance versus Rutgers, who now has Greg Chiano at the helm, that they're going to be somewhat of a higher competent team. So I do think you're getting somewhat of a discount with Michigan in this game being actually the underdog on the road versus Wisconsin. When we've seen two Wisconsin game versus competent components, Penn State, and Notre Dame, they have not been able to score. So you're looking at a plus one game for me. Plus one Michigan. I do think this is a field goal game. I'm going to bet that this is probably some sort of late field goal. Michigan kicks to win the game and the score is 13 to 10. I don't know, but if I had to put on it, I would probably bet the under, which I think if we looked at our, our sheet, I couldn't find the actual under on this game. I do know uh, if anybody can chime uh, in with 43 it. and a half, 43 and a half.
2: That is so low. That is
4: extremely low, and I still feel somewhat confident in the under. So if you're going to find value, if you want to find a plus number to bet, probably bet the under in this game and cheer for no points because nobody will be watching this game. No points will probably be scored. You can probably bet this is going to be a low-scoring game. Battle of the felt pelt. So let's all go for it.
0: Come on, the hell, hell! I love it. Well, if this is a rivalry game, the one thing about rivalry games is you can throw the records out the window. So I guess we have to throw the records out the window for this one. Look, all you guys are correct. Michigan's the more talented team. They've played better this year. All of that's true. Which is exactly why I'm going with Wisconsin, because that's how college football works. That's how the Big Ten works. That's how Wisconsin football works. They're not good. They're not fast. They're not extremely big. They just win football games. The game against Notre Dame, they were the better team. It was a special teams playing a couple in our like pick sixes. That was the difference in the game against Penn state. They were much the better team outside of two deep balls to Dotson. They were the better football team. I I understand they can't throw the ball. I understand they can't really run the ball. I know. I, I know they're bad. But that doesn't mean that they can't win this football game. This is how Big Ten football works. A team gets up. They get a few wins. They go on the road to a really hostile environment. They play a tough team, and they lose. That's how this works. I think Wisconsin just has too much pride. There's too much to play for because that Big Ten West is still open if Michigan can play well. Because you look, their one loss in the Big Ten was to a Big Ten East, and the other one was to Notre Dame, which is obviously non-conference. So, the, the conference title game is still in play for Wisconsin. They're well coached enough to have that knowledge. I think hungry dog runs faster. In this case, a hungry Badger is going to run faster than a a full Wolverine. No, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's actually uh, correct in the animal kingdom, but it would be a fun. You remember the uh, the old show Animal Face Off on Animal Planet. Yep.
2: They, they were, are both very mean animals.
0: Yeah. We, this would be phenomenal. Uh I'm gonna give the first annual pelt belt to the Wisconsin Badgers at home. i are going I, home home teams are 12 and three against the spread on this show, Chris. They're 12 and three Sam, against the spread. Sam, you're bookending your Saturday with betting on
4: Wisconsin and betting on Yukon. And you feel good about this.
0: No. <laughs> I feel better than if I had to watch Virginia Tech play. I'll tell you that.
2: Hey, hey, hey there it is. <laughs> it only took us it only took us 45 minutes.
0: Yeah. No, being honest, uh at least Wisconsin has been bad against bad, really good defenses. Um I yeah, I'm feeling Wisconsin this one. They're at home, Cam Randall. Let's move to a real fun game. And I no Virginia Tech talk, we're not gonna talk about Virginia Tech. Cincinnati. This game has a lot of financial impact for some people on this podcast that really, really liked Cincinnati plus 2,700 to make the college football playoff. On DraftKings Sportsbook, that is now sitting at plus 650. That shows you how this is all kind of playing out for Cincinnati. They are minus one and a half at Notre Dame. This game on NBC 230, Mike Tirico, Drew Brees, the over-under is 51. Mike, take it away.
1: I know I am the resident Cincinnati fan on this podcast. I don't know, fan or enthusiast or just
0: better. I don't know. Plus 2,700, uh, I became a real big fan. Yeah,
1: yeah. i have fan of that bet so far. We'll see how that pans out. I actually grew up a Notre Dame fan. I don't know if you guys knew that, but I, I grew up a Notre Dame fan, didn't get into school there, ended up at Tech, long story short. Um, I know this is detrimental to that futures bet that I place Cincinnati making the playoff, but I think I'm on Notre Dame here. And my answer would have been different a few weeks ago, but Notre Dame's defense single-handedly won them the football game against wisconsin last weekend now the offense the offense did score some points so i, I you know but the defense helped put it away you know um their Dame had two pick sixes they had a kick return for a touchdown kyron williams ran one back and that's why the game got out of hand they also had one offensive touchdown drew pine threw a touchdown pass in the fourth quarter and that's how they got to that 31 um I, you know i don't know how much of of that is totally repeatable right and and in my defense, here, like I don't know how much you can just look at Notre Dame and say, you know what, they're going to have you know multiple touchdowns on defense every week. They're going to run a kickback. I mean, I had I had the under in this game, which was a dead ticket when Notre Dame almost got them. Got there by themselves in the fourth quarter. Um, but I'm going with Notre Dame. The reason why is because defense has been consistently playing better. Um, the, the Purdue game defense was solid. Last Saturday, obviously, really good against Wisconsin offense has been coming along. Jack Cohn looks like he's going to be healthy enough to play. And for all the crap we give Jack Cohn, he's a game manager. He's this, he's that. He's actually been pretty good for Notre Dame this year. The offense has not been very good, but Jack cohn has been good. Uh, they have struggled to run the football more than they have, uh, usually under Brian Kelly, you know, Kyron Williams is really good running back. He's He's excellent with the ball in his hands. He's one of the best pass protectors I've seen at the FBS level in a really long time. He's outstanding in that regard, too. Uh, But the offensive line has been a work in progress. They've had some injuries up front. They've had some injuries on defense. But the defense just seems to be kind of finding itself right now. And Marcus Freeman was the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati a year ago. He went up against Desmond Ritter in practice every day, right? And he knows the strengths and weaknesses of Ritter. And I just think Notre Dame wins a close game at home. You know, Brian Kelly wins a lot of these close games when they're not in the playoff against Alabama or Clemson. Like, Notre Dame wins these games more often than not when they're up against a big-time team at home or on the road. You know, Kelly has Notre Dame ready to play. And I think that Cincinnati is really, really good. And I think they've been the the more consistent team through three games, even though the Indiana game was up and down a couple of weekends back. And, and Cincinnati is coming off a of bye here, right? So they've had an opportunity to get healthy. But I just think that Notre Dame has enough in a close game at home with their roster and with the experience that they have on that football team to get the job done. I think Marcus Freeman, his, his knowledge of the Cincinnati program, I think is going to help Notre Dame here, especially when you consider how the defense has played the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to go with Notre Dame in a close game. I can see it's
3: kind of going either way, but give me the Irish here. Fellas, I do want to say that, I mean, this is easily the biggest football game in Cincinnati football history. Um, and it might even be the biggest game in group of five history, at least under the current playoff. Format. I mean, because what other time have we seen um, a group of five team that actually has realistic playoff aspirations go against a team like Notre Dame on the road, where if you win, like you are 100%, maybe not 100%, you are actually a contender to some degree. Um, And I think that any chance for a non-Power 5 team to make the playoff under this current four-team format, however much longer that lasts, we'll see, uh, any chance a non-Power 5 team has to make it uh, rests on this game. And because of this, I think because of just the weight of it all and how much it means, I like Cincinnati on the road here. So not only do they know how much this game means, they are really, really good. I don't know if they're playoff good, but they're really good. And their defense is riddled with NFL talent. I think if you especially look at their pass rush, uh, their pass rush is really, really good. And at the same time, Notre Dame's offensive line is really struggling. Uh, like Mike alluded to, they haven't run the ball well. But also Jack Cohn, I think I do think Jack Cohn is a good quarterback. And I think he's played pretty well about as well as he can, but I think that he hasn't been protected well enough. Um, And that has led to some mistakes and maybe some missed opportunities. Jack Cohn in four games has been sacked 19 times. That's almost five a game. That's really bad. Um, And, and Cincinnati is going to easily be the best pass rush that Notre Dame's faced all year. And so I see the Bearcats getting a lot of pressure here. I think they're going to force some mistakes from Cone and from this offense. And I think Desmond Ritter, I do think, Mike, I think that's a really good point about Marcus Freeman. And that is not something I considered. But I think Ritter just does enough. Um, And I like Fickle as a coach here. I think think Cincinnati does enough, and I think they get the win on the road. I think they're really anchored by their defense. Um, This is going to be a low-scoring game. I like the under. But I like Cincinnati to win here, and I like them to, you know, at least make their case for the playoff. We'll see if it actually pans out.
2: Yeah, I'm also on Cincinnati here. Um, I think Notre Dame. Yeah, they had a dominated win last week, but I think Wisconsin. You know, it, this year has just been crazy already. September was nuts. I mean, you're looking at teams being like, "Oh, I thought they were good. They're not good." This team didn't look good, but they blew this team out. You know, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to kind of get a gauge. I still, I think Notre Dame's, uh, impressed people. I think they're, they, last weekend, I think people weren't quite expecting that to happen, but I mean, the wheels just came off the fourth quarter for Wisconsin. I mean, up to that point with, I mean, Wisconsin's I don't think is that great of a football team and Notre Dame was, you know, neck and neck with them until the very pretty much half through the fourth quarter when just all hell broke loose and Cincinnati, while they had a rough go out against Indiana, I mean, they still had a dominant second half performance, um, I'm also on the I'm also on the notion that Notre Dame's offensive line is pretty bad, um, which is pretty shocking because they usually always have a strong offensive line. But this is the worst, worst offensive line they've had in a very long time. Uh, I'm actually pulling a stat from that I saw Will Stewart from Tech sideline tweet the other day. Notre Dame is 128 out of 130 teams in the nation in sacks allowed, like Irby said, at 5.25 per game. And also 128 in tackles for loss allowed, 9.75 per game. And let me remind you, those are against teams with not so great defenses. Wisconsin's defense, honestly, isn't as good as I thought they were. They still got some pressure on last week. But, I mean, a lot lot of Notre Dame's uh, touchdown scores came from special teams and defense. So this is a tough one for me. I mean... I feel like I'm tied. I'm doing what the opposite of what Mike did. I feel like since I'm tied to this, I also am on Cincinnati plus 2,700 to make the playoff. I also have Desmond Rivers the Heisman. I picked him as a Heisman future, one of them. Um, don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's just going to be able to put up the numbers. Um, he hasn't made really a case for it. But if there is a chance for him to make a case for himself and leave him to the playoff, it's going to be this weekend. So I like Cincinnati here. Go Bearcats.
4: All right. So I feel – somewhat less confident because I'm backing Mike and I'm going against Brett, given the trends at the beginning of the season. So I'm going to short Brett here. I'm going to continue to roll with Mike. Notre Dame for me is the play in here. And this is why Um, they just have more experience facing mid-season ranked power five opponents. So when you're talking about why do I like Cincinnati? Why are they ranked? Why are they constantly in the narrative? It's because they usually end up rolling in their own group of five conference schedule And then they get a break before the bowl game and they play well in the bowl game. And you're thinking, why didn't Cincinnati get a shot in the college football playoff and under Luke fickle. So he's been there for the last few years. So I looked at trends since 2018, because you know, that, that matters to me, Notre Dame in that same time frame, since 2018, 11 and three against the spread 5.3 average point margin of victory since 2018 against ranked power five, Opponents. So I look at the exact same type of VIG against Cincy, and they've only faced one midseason power five opponent, not bowl games, midseason. And that was against Ohio State, and they lost 42 to nothing. I, I think this is a different type of game. Cincy is coming off of a game versus Indiana, and then they're going into a game against Notre Dame. So this is like the first time midseason early on in the season, give it, but they've had to face multiple back-to-back kind of power five opponents. Um, And that's to me, the differentiating factor, the fact that they have to go back-to-back, I believe, road games. Um, And this is going into Notre Dame. um, That just separates group of five versus power five teams in my, my personal opinion. So um to me another thing here is just um Notre Dame, they've been here before. Uh they've been kind of an, an underdog versus what is considered to be a nationally recognized type program. You look at the even back last year, midseason, they faced Clemson. They were a four and a half point home dog versus Clemson. Uh, they ended up winning that game outright. I just feel like Notre Dame is better suited and has better talent to be able to win this type of game. Um And they're used to having kind of a gauntlet-type schedule. I don't believe Cincinnati is midseason used to having a gauntlet-type schedule. Yet, you know, they are a great program. And the one thing I was looking at is whether or not um, Notre Dame could stop Cincinnati's offense. Because Cincinnati is going to score points. That's their biggest, you know, plus of it. So I looked at it and I just thought, well, who is heading Notre Dame's defense? Well, Notre Dame's defensive coordinator is the former defensive coordinator for Cincinnati, Marcus Freeman. Uh, you gave him a couple games to get right. You saw the first two games and that ultimately skewed the lines away from Notre Dame. The first two games of, excuse me, the first three games of the season where you could actually get value on Notre Dame. I think it's one of those things where like you have new scheme, new defensive coordinator is coming in. He's getting the players reps in his different type, excuse me, his different type of system. And now we're going to start probably seeing a trend. And you have to look at the trend here of Notre Dame possibly being a more defensive type of team going forward under Marcus Freeman, who we know to be a good defensive coordinator. He was Cincinnati's defensive coordinator from 2017 to 20. And that's where the bread and butter was during those earlier years of Luke Fickle's tenure there. So given the fact that power five type schedule for Cincinnati, they're not used to it. Notre Dame being a home dog, Notre Dame being pretty solid against ranked Power five opponents, 11-3 against the spread. Give me the Irish. Um, So to me, the value here is on Notre Dame.
0: You know, I, I have talked about in this pod, going with the home team. Notre Dame, obviously the home team. And look, of all the teams on here, Notre Dame's the one to bet at home. The last loss for Notre Dame in Notre Dame Stadium was September 9th, 2017 against Georgia. They only lost that game by one point. Do you guys know the last time that, Notre Dame lost a home game by two or more points.
2: Was it Virginia Tech?
0: It was November 9th, 2016. They lost by three to Virginia Tech.
2: We're not supposed to talk about them, but I had, hey, I had
0: to guess. Hey, it, it. it was a positive thing. It's been a long time. I mean, this is one of the most underrated home environments, not because it's loud, just because it's the worst weather that you've ever seen in your life, and they get the matchups at home and they play well at home. I It's really hard for me to go against that, but... Cincinnati is just the better football team. They just are. They're better up front. They have the better quarterback. Their defensive backs, I think, are going to make it really, really tough to throw the ball. And Notre Dame has been fraudulent all year, all year long, all year long. Cincinnati is number 25 in the country and expected points added per play on offense. Notre Dame is 108th. Cincinnati is number three in the country and expected points added per play margin which means taking into account now how good they are on offense and defense. We talked about that good defense. Notre Dame is 65th in that. So even with a good defense, Notre Dame is significantly lesser statistically than Cincinnati is. Also, one thing you talked about coaching, obviously Luke Fickle's phenomenal head football coach. Cincinnati is two and one straight up after a bye with Luke Fickle as their coach, their one loss was in overtime, and that was a game that they definitely should have won in regulation. Cincinnati, with a bye week, with all of the opportunity, they're playing better football. We don't really know the health status of Jack Cohn that much. I don't really know that it matters that much because Notre Dame's going to try to run the football. Even though they're bad at it, they're going to try to establish the run be a good running team. They're going to run right into the mouth of that Cincinnati team. And then at the end of the game, they're going to need to throw the ball to score. And Cincinnati has some of the best DBs in the country. Give me Cincinnati minus two. Now for the fun stat. You guys want the fun stat? In the last 30 games that Cincinnati has been a favorite, they're 30-0. They haven't and lost as a favorite in their last 30 games as a favorite. That's crazy. Wow. Against who? Against 30 college football teams. I'm mean, hammering the Bearcats. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I it doesn't matter.
2: I usually don't bet against Jesus. It usually works for BYU, and it usually works for Notre Dame.
0: Well, except for last yeah. week when BYU put in your kids from the crowd, and they almost blew the lead to South Florida.
2: Oh, that made me so mad. I go, go didn't Bryce. bet that last week, though, actually.
0: Well, but, some of us did, okay? Some I
1: did, I bet BYU like an idiot.
0: They were up like four touchdowns in the, end of the first quarter. Then they uh, let the Tabernacle Cooper. Choir come in there and play DB.
3: <laughs> Sorry, I think we all need a second to recover from that one.
0: <laughs> it was so mad. I was refreshing my phone at like 1 a.m., and South Florida just kept scoring, one of the worst teams in the country in Provo at night.
2: Right, do we have some favorite bets to go over as we end this thing out outside of the slate? I know I have one that's really going to hurt Sam's feelings. And it's even though
0: hurt my feelings, hurt me.
2: This is a Wolfpack podcast, but I like Louisiana tech plus 20 and a half. I love Louisiana
0: tech plus 20 and a half.
2: Yeah. um, Yeah. Just a come down game after what happened, what happened last week in Raleigh. Um, Louisiana tech should have beat the Mississippi state. They a 21 point lead. in like, what was it? Eight minutes. To, uh, and should have beat Mississippi State who beat NC State property is never a good way to go to bet teams don't it's not a good not a good method, but they can compete uh, so yeah I, I like Louisiana Tech plus 20 and a half. go ahead I can see I see Chris about to say something.
4: I'll take one here and this one is a complete reversal from my ACC preseason predictions in terms of mobile unders Syracuse Florida State. I'm going to take a complete 180 for each over and under for each team. So if you listen to this podcast in the beginning of the year, go ahead and start trying to find lines. If you can still find futures, Um, probably is not still out there, but you can take some value off of that. Uh, Syracuse's defensive line seems to be legit, and that's the one way you can slap Florida State in the mouth this season. Uh, Florida State's a home favorite, four and a half, they're 0 and 4. If you're going to be able to still get value at betting against florida state it's going to be against lesser type programs like syracuse who are still viewed to be somewhat still kind of what they were last year rodino babers led their team i think it's like the one win um so be a sicko bet another crappy acc game uh take cues take the points I, i don't think florida state could beat anybody right now to be honest
3: i'm gonna uh I'm going to give a shout out to one of our Twitter followers here. Uh, her name is Kelsey Schober, maybe Schober. Uh, and she asked us a question on our replying to our Locks Society Saturday Twitter account. And I'm going to read the question here. And I'm also going to try to answer and open the floor. She said, I want to lock up Oregon to cover against Stanford and Oregon State to cover against Washington, but don't know a ton about Pac-12 after dark. So would be interested if you had thoughts on those. Well. Kelsey, in my opinion, in my opinion, trust your instincts because I think those are two great picks. Right now, Oregon is sitting at minus eight on the road at Stanford. Uh, I don't really put much stock in what Stanford is. Um, Oregon's the third ranked team in the country. And for good reason, uh, this game won't be closed. I see Oregon winning it by three touchdowns at least. Uh, and Oregon State is only a two and a half point favorite at home against Washington. I know Washington's won their last two games, uh, but that's not exactly against stout competition. Um, This is a team that lost to Montana, whereas Oregon State has looked good uh, all year. They beat USC last week, 45-27, which I guess that's not that good of a win anymore. But I like the Beavers here, two and a half points, way too small. So Kelsey, trust your gut here. Bet on those
0: Oregon teams. Kelsey, pat yourself on the back because you are so, so smart. Oregon is a legitimate college football playoff team and Stanford is not good. Arizona was able to keep it close with Oregon capitalize on Oregon, having some backups in late in the game, maybe a little bit too early. Oregon's going to cover that spread. I think Oregon by three, maybe four touchdowns in that game, Oregon always plays really well against Stanford as well, whether it's home or on the road. I love Oregon in that one and Oregon state. They are a much better football team than they get credit for. The job that Jonathan Smith has done in Corvallis has been phenomenal. They were 2-10 two in 2018, bumped that up to 5-7, and seven, had awful COVID issues in 2020. you got to throw that out. This year, they're sitting at 3-1. and one. They're a good football team. They're hard-nosed. They like to run the football. I like what they do offensively. Uh, they're one of the more progressive shotgun-running football teams in the country. I like Oregon State. I think you should parlay it. I think you should parlay it. I love both of them. As a historical Pac-12 fan, because
4: I have roots being an SC fan from my early childhood and always trying to stay up late and watch these games and always being chronically disappointed, granted the mid-2000s were awesome for SC fans. Washington and teams like Stanford are still getting a discount for the early 2010s. You're still getting lines out there in the Pac-12 because this is the best bargain in football is knowing how to bet the Pac-12 because, to be honest, nobody watches these games and you can find incredible value. It's like looking at the lower G5 type teams. If you really understand, it's like betting, understanding how to bet the NBA. If you can understand how to bet the Pac-12, you can make a lot of money out there. Fading Washington, fading teams like Stanford. Uh, Right now, fading teams like SC who are even favored. That was my second best play outside of Syracuse because right now Keaton Slopas provides SC program, no juice at all whatsoever. I would go against the Trojans. um, Just look at all those prominently favored teams that are chronically up there at the Pac-12 in terms of preseason hype and fade them all as the course of the season goes on. These teams are not dominant right now. They do not cover the only team I would feel confident in right now is Oregon. So um, love the plays. Uh, agree in the parlay. Um, Not confident, but it's the right play. So go with your
3: gut. Also, we really appreciate uh, that tweet, Kelsey. And if you are out there, anyone listening to this, and you uh, want our advice on some games to pick, hey, that's what we do. We're here to advise you on best ways to gamble your money. So if you have a suggestion for us or a question for us, Please hit us up at locks a Saturday. We would love to answer it.
4: This is a financial advisor podcast as well. So there you go.
3: Yep.
1: I got some picks guys. Um, I'm also on Louisiana tech plus 20 and a half. It's a letdown spot for NC state. So I'm trying not to overthink it. Louisiana tech's not that bad. I, I think they're able to keep that within three scores. I actually like Georgia Tech money line against Pittsburgh. I think that's one of the money line picks i going to make this weekend. Uh, Georgia Tech's just on an, ups- like on an upswing, on an uptick. They're playing good football right now, uh, offensively and defensively. Jeff Sims looked really good against North Carolina. Pittsburgh's defense has not been very good this year. I think if Georgia Tech turns in a defensive performance like they have the last couple of weekends, I think they're going to have a great chance to win that football game outright at home. So they're that home dog pick this weekend. I like Kansas state plus 10 and a half against Oklahoma. I I don't trust Oklahoma's offense to cover almost two scores against anybody right now. Kansas state's coming off a tough loss to Stanford. I think there's value there plus 10 and a half. I like Kansas state. Uh, We talked about Oregon state minus two and a half. So I won't spend too much time there, but I like that pick and I like Washington, Oregon state under 56. I think that stays lower scoring. I just don't think Washington's offense is going to score enough there to push that over. And then one more in the SEC, I like LSU minus three and a half at home against Auburn. Um, Auburn doesn't know who their quarterback is, and that's enough for me to pick LSU, even though I'm not totally sold on LSU and everything they're doing right now. Um, I just look at Auburn, and I just... I, they're going to move on from Bo Nix, I think. Thank Ryan Harson's just God. waiting to pull the trigger. Yeah, thank, thank God. God. That's wonderful yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah we're Here, done with that experience.
0: Yeah. Well, we, we we know another guy who's not playing quarterback for Auburn either, and Maybe they go to him. Maybe they do. Maybe they throw him in there. Who knows? Huh. Here's my three favorite. Um, look, Boise State, Hank Bachmeyer, Shakura. Shakur. I, I would like to personally apologize for going against my better self and betting against you last week. That was my mistake. I hope you take me back. You demolished a really good Utah State team, a Utah State team that was lighting it up on offense. And you are minus six and a half versus Nevada. You're wearing incredibly sick throwback helmets that are beautiful and amazing. And I love them. And I think Nevada, as good as Carson Strong is, as good as that offense can be, they really just aren't clicking on all cylinders this year. And it doesn't seem to be clicking and it's not perfect. And I like Boise State's defense there. I think they can keep Carson Strong um, kind of in the 20s. And I like Boise State minus six and a half. Iowa minus three at Maryland. I'm going to hammer that all day. Uh, this is a, a, you know, Billy Ray likes to say it's a grit versus Gucci game. And uh, I'm going to go with the grit. Maryland is one in six against the spread in their last seven against big 10 teams. I really like Iowa in that one. And I also like Texas A&M minus seven against Mississippi state. Mississippi state is Owen seven against the spread in October games. And Texas A&M's. Is four and zero against the spread after a loss, and the favorite is six and one against the spread in the last seven of these matchups. So, uh, I like Texas A and M in that one to have a bounce back game and get back to national prominence because that loss on a neutral site against Arkansas is not that bad. Um, and then I have some some other ones that I'll sprinkle in that I'll find on Twitter. I like Kentucky plus eight and a half at home against Florida. And then I also like Georgia Tech money line against Pitt. I think Pitt is gonna. Pitt has potential to fall apart real quickly. Oh yeah, Sam. Pitt. Pitt. They have that, like, you know, you know, they're like a Jenga tower, and you took out that one, that one pivotal Jenga block, and now it's getting wobbly, and it's getting a little weird in Pittsburgh. Uh, they just had a bad. They they won seventy-seven to seven against like New Hampshire who is like probably just a bunch of New Hampshire's hockey players that they make go play football for off season conditioning. So, um, Georgia Tech money line. That's a fun one. Guys, anything else before we wrap it up?
2: Wake Forest minus six and a half against Louisville. I don't know. I I don't know how we missed that.
0: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Wake Forest, uh, what they did to UVA, UVA was demoralized like three minutes into that game.
3: Yeah, how is Vegas still not giving Wake any favorable lines?
2: This is it's crazy to me. Because Louisville smacked Florida State last week, and Vegas still thinks Florida State's a team.
1: Hey, Wake and NC State in November could decide who wins the ACC. I'm just saying, not even the Atlantic, just the ACC. So
3: throwing that out. There. I feel I feel nauseous now having heard that.
1: <laughs> just just stop wrong, looking
4: though. at ACC. Stop looking at ACC lines. If yeah, you're stop really looking watching at watching ACC just... football. Stop it! You're more of a degenerate sicko if you're looking at any ACC line than you are at UConn, Bandy. So just just stop punishing yourself. Just go with go with better games.
1: But seriously, we're on Wake, right? because
4: <laughs> yeah, we're on
1: Wake. I'm riding Wake. <laughs> we're on Wake, <laughs> but
0: well, let's be honest, we're all going to bet Wake this weekend. So don't don't <laughs> worry about it. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, thanks so much. This has been awesome. It's been a ton of fun. Six games that we do- dove deep. Into this week. It's going to be an awesome, awesome slate of college football on Saturday. Thanks so much for tuning in. Keep hitting us up on Twitter. For everyone in the crew, locks of Saturday. See y'all next week. Go Hokies.